Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. I also serve churches in the areas of pulpit supply, conferences, retreats, and revivals as the Lord provides opportunity. If I can be of service to you or your ministry, I would love to hear from you. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles again to Daniel chapter number 9, verse number 25. We used as our spring verse, our springboard verse, if you will, the book of Luke and the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ as he comes through the eastern gate and he, he comes down the Mount of Olives, he's on the donkey, he comes through the eastern gate, the people are screaming out, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest, and the Pharisees are like, listen, rebuke your disciples, and Jesus tells them, if these did not say anything, even the very rocks would cry out. That began what is called the Passion Week, which is what we are on the tail end of right now. We're on Good Friday, which is the day the Lord was crucified, and then of course he was in the in the tomb, and then Sunday morning he rose from the dead. That's why we as Christians worship on Sunday morning. You know, people ask, well, why don't we worship on the Sabbath like they used to in the Old Testament? Because we gather on Sunday morning. And after the resurrection of Christ, throughout the New Testament, on the first day of the week, they came together. On the first day of the week, take the offerings, though, so there be not any when I come. On the first day of the week, you know. So we worship on Sunday morning as the church and not the Sabbath. Now, if you want to go to church on, on Saturday, that's fine. You know, Romans chapter number 14 says, you know, one man esteems one day here and another man esteems another day here. Let him be uh, convinced in his own mind. Uh, I'm not going to get legalistic on you, and I trust that you're not going to get legalistic on me, but historically, the New Testament church does worship on Sunday. Now, we got down through verse number 25, and you know, if this is your first time, go ahead and back up and listen to part one and part two. And we talked about how that in verse number 24, it speaks of 70 weeks of seven. That's seven times seven, which is a total of 490 years. In other words, there's a prophecy here in verse number 24 that will be fulfilled in 490 years. Now, we talked about how the first three of these six things in the prophecy were fulfilled by Christ on the cross. But the last three have not been fulfilled yet and will not be fulfilled until his second coming. You see, we celebrate the first advent, which is when Christ came the first time, and then the second advent is when Christ is going to come again. So something interrupted these 490 years. And of course, that interruption was the, crucifi the crucifixion or the cutting off of the Messiah. Now notice in uh, verse number 25, Know therefore and understand, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now, here's the prophecy. He's saying these 490 years will start at the going forth of the commandment, the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. And from the time of the going forth of that commandment until the Messiah comes will be now, history, both secular and biblical, tells us that that commandment came in 445 B.C. Now, we know that from Nehemiah. If you look over in the little book of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse number 1, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, 
in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when, when wine was before him, that I, Nehemiah, took the wine, I gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face so sad? Since you're not sick, there's nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. And the king said, now bear in mind, Nehemiah here is the cupbearer. That means he's the one that tried the wine to make sure it wasn't poisonous before the king drank it. I wouldn't want to be that guy. Um, so <clears throat> in verse number three, and I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city and the place of my father's tombs lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire? And of course, he's speaking of Jerusalem that had been destroyed years earlier when Nebuchadnezzar had come in and, you know, basically raised the city. And the king said to me, well, what do you want? What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, now that was obviously a pretty short prayer. <laughs> if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah to the city of my father's tombs that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, with the queen sitting beside of him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. So here we have historically when the command was given to restore and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So he's saying the clock will begin ticking from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Well, we know from archaeological findings in the palace of Shushan that this happened in 445 BC. As a matter of fact, based on the findings of Sir Rowlandson in this very same palace, we know that it occurred on March 14th, 445 BC. Now notice from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, March 14th, 445 BC, until the Messiah shall come will be seven and 62 weeks. Now, what is seven weeks and 62 weeks? Well, seven plus 62 equals 69 which is 483 years. So 69 times 7 is 483 years. So he's saying here that from the going forth of the commandment to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, March 14th, 445 BC, it will be 483 years until the Messiah, the Prince, shall come. You and I are looking at one of the greatest prophecies in all the Bible. This prophecy literally sets a date when the Messiah will come. It tells us that from the going forth of the command to rebuild and the Messiah, 483 years. Now, bear in mind that it wasn't until 71 BC when we began using what is called the Julian calendar. That's what you and I use today. It's 365 and a quarter days. That's why every fourth year we have us a leap year on February 29th. Now, up until that time, the world, the entire world, used the Babylonian calendar, which had 360 days in it. So when looking at the prophecy, we must look at it in the context in which it was written. If we were to take 483 years, and we want to break this thing down into days, if we were to take 483 years and multiply it times 360, okay, because it's 360 day calendar, 483 years times 360 days, is 173,880 days. So from the going forth of the commandment, March 14th, 445 BC, 173,880 days, the Messiah, the Prince, is going to come. 
So if we count out in days, we're going to arrive at April the 6th, 32 AD. On April the 6th, 32 AD, Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. And notice Jesus' response on their way down the mountain. Look in Luke uh, chapter number 19 and verse number 41. Luke 19 and verse number 41. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Why in the world is Jesus weeping over Jerusalem? Because he knows exactly what they're going to do to him when he gets down at the bottom of that hill. He knows. He weeps over it and he says, If you had known, even you, especially this your day. Notice he says, this day, this day that was prophesied, the things that would make for your peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will now build an embankment around you. They will surround you. They will close you in on every side. They will level you to the ground and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the day of your visitation. It had been prophesied to the very day in Daniel 9 when the Messiah would come down and present himself. And remember, Jesus, when he came through the eastern gate, he immediately went to the temple. Notice in verse number 45 of Luke 19. Then he went into the temple. So he comes through the eastern gate they're crying out, Hosanna, you know, Lord God in the highest. The Pharisees say, rebuke him. He says, no, I'm not going to do that. And he, they're throwing the palm branches, which is, you know, Palm Sunday. And he, he comes into that, which was last Sunday. He comes into the temple. He begins to drive out those who bought and sold, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive. Why did Jesus go through the Eastern Gate on this Palm Sunday, this triumphal entry, and go straight to the temple? He was restoring the glory to Israel. He was presenting himself as the Messiah. But he knew before he even went down that hill, he knew that they would not understand that this was their day. He knew when he got down that hill that he was going to go into the temple where he was going to legitimately offer himself up as the Messiah, restore the kingdom, everything. He, that's what he wanted to do, but he couldn't because he knew he was going to be rejected and he was but he still had to go through with it and understand something when jesus came the first time he did legitimately offer the kingdom to the jews but they rejected it remember what he said when he's coming down the hill if you had known this your day the things that would make for your peace but now they're going to be hidden from your eyes he knew their hearts he knew that they were going to they were going to plot to kill him as soon as he got down. So he goes to the temple. There's they're they're ripping off his people, and he begins pitching tables. And of course, that immediately starts setting up the 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 plot. 
to arrest him, to convict him, and to put him to death. Next time we get together, I'm going to show you why Jesus came back down this hill and why he did go to the temple. Let me just give you, do some homework. Read Ezekiel chapter number 10. Read Ezekiel chapter number 10 and chapter number 11. And there you're going to see when the glory departed from Israel. Ezekiel was awoken during the night. And he says, Ezekiel, I want you to go to the temple. I want you to look at something. And Ezekiel goes and he looks at something. And I'm going to explain why that is relevant next time. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember always, he loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.